0: Everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: Where was this LSU baseball team? Like, for real. What a weekend. What a weekend for the Tigers who have now bounced back and positioned themselves to make a run at the SEC tournament and possibly host an NCAA regional. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch Third, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined in the studios by the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. We have a tremendous show lined up for you today. Only two guests, but they're two really good ones. 7:30, Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network, also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio, will break down all things LSU for us. That'll be at 7:30. We'll recap the softball team's disappointing performance in Tempe, going 0 for 2 at that NCAA regional. And the baseball team sweeping Vanderbilt on the road for the first time ever. A weekend after losing at home and being swept at home to Ole Miss for the first time ever. RPI has now swung the other direction. And LSU is right on the outside of hosting an NCAA regional just based on RPI. They get the double buy for the SEC tournament, which begins this week in Hoover. We'll break it all down with Jeff. At 8 o'clock, we're going to talk all things Raging Cajun. Baseball team dropped a game to Little Rock, but was able to bounce back and take the series, winning on Senior Day on Saturday. Cajuns lock up the four seed for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Montgomery. What kind of chance do they have? Sure does feel like it's going to be an immense challenge for them, especially coming out There with the four seed for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament for Matt Degg's team. We'll talk about that as well as the Cajun softball team overcoming an early loss, fighting their way to the championship round yet again, but just running out of steam, falling short to Clemson on Sunday. We'll talk about all that with our friend Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns at eight o'clock. Those are our only two guests today. We'd love to hear from you. Hotline is open, as always, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we'll get to it all. NBA playoff action, PGA Championship, drama at the end, winning it in a playoff for Justin Thomas. The Preakness Stakes, college baseball, college softball, Houston Astros, we're going to get to it all. Plus, we have a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising to give away this morning as well. Stay tuned for that trivia question coming up shortly before 7.30 this morning. But We're going to lead off today's show talking about those LSU Tigers. Not only did they win the series, they swept Vandy for the first time in Nashville ever. And... They did so in dominant dominant fashion. This wasn't oh a bloop single type of victory here where they stole a game, a hard-fought game. No, 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 no. I'm not for sure what Jay Johnson did with his team. I'm not for sure what type of come-to-baby-Jesus meeting was held, if it was a player's meeting, or just Jay and his staff type of meeting. Not for sure what happened. But whatever it was, it worked. The way you saw LSU play in Nashville Thursday through Saturday is the potential that this team has. That's their maximum potential. Is the type of performance that you saw them put on there against the Commodores in Nashville with Vandy Whistler there. They shut him up. And they just put on an absolute phenomenal performance. Their best weekend series of the season. They saved it for the very last one. And how do you explain it? I asked this on Twitter over the weekend. How how do you explain this? How do you explain a team in their final weekend series at Alex Box Stadium look so lifeless and dead against Ole Miss and being swept at home by Ole Miss for the first time in program history to then turn around and go on the road against nationally ranked Vanderbilt, a perennial power, And sweep them. Like there's no explanation. When they play like they did this past weekend, it gives you all types of hope that this team can make it to Omaha. When you look at them, when they play like this, you go, that's a team that can make it to Omaha. That's a college World Series ball club. But then in the previous weekend, you saw them play against Ole Miss, and you went, That doesn't even look like a team that's going to make it out of an NCAA regional. They are wildly, wildly schizophrenic. They set the tone with a 13 2 win on Thursday. We talked about it on Friday's show. Great way to set the tone. And they just kept it going. 8 3 victory on Friday. And then they beat Vanderbilt. They beat Vanderbilt, the number 21 ranked team in the country. 21 to 10 on Saturday. That's a football score. They went up to Nashville and were like, we're putting up a football score. 21 to 10. Where was this team? This is the same team that mind you lost 5 to 3, 11 to 1 and 8 to 5 to Ole Miss the previous weekend. But then they crushed the faces of poor Northwestern State in their final midweek game, 19 to 7, and it's been 13 to 2, 8 to 3 and 21 to 10. Just an absolutely phenomenal performance. By LSU, not only, now you don't love giving up 10 runs. So there's still some concerns there about the pitching. But when this team rakes the way they do, they can beat any team in the country. Do they have enough pitching to make a run through a regional, through a super regional, and then in Omaha? Mm, Maybe. I still, don't, I still don't think so. But does that even matter? You typically need better pitching than what LSU has to make a run. But right now, that shouldn't even be the focus if you're a Tiger fan this morning. What should be the focus is, okay, now after the sweep of Vanderbilt, they sit around 20 and 21 in the latest RPI rankings, which means they're only about four spots away from hosting an NCAA regional. And I've told you this from Jump for weeks upon weeks now. If it is close, if it's close, and let's say there's LSU and two other teams and they're all hovering around the 16, 17 mark, they're taking LSU as the regional host because it's LSU. Because they know they're going to be able to sell out Alex Box Stadium. That's just how that's going to work. Now, which LSU team is going to show up in Hoover? Because traditionally, they're always great in Hoover. They always make a run. There was teams that Paul Maneri had that were just so-so. They put together a run in Hoover, and then there they are in a regional and a super regional. So LSU knows how to perform once they get to the Met for the SEC tournament. But will they? This is Jay Johnson's first year. And we've seen how schizophrenic this team is already. Just in the last couple of weekends, we've seen how the pendulum swings one way to the other. Can this team string enough enough wins to make a run and possibly win the SEC tournament and lock up hosting an NCAA regional? Now, what helps them is that by getting the four seed, they get the double bye which means they won't play until Wednesday, in particular Wednesday night, roughly around 8 o'clock. Now, bad weather is supposed to be going through the Birmingham-Hoover area this week, which means more than likely it's going to wreak havoc on the SEC tournament. But Tigers do have the double buy. They play the last game of the day on Wednesday, tentatively scheduled for, say, 8 o'clock. We'll use that very loosely. It could be more like 9, 9.30, depending on what happens with the weather and if there's any delays. They're going to play the winner of Auburn-Kentucky game. That's the 5-12 matchup. So LSU will play the winner of the Auburn-Kentucky game, and they'll do so at 8 o'clock, tentatively scheduled, on Wednesday. Of course, you can listen to the Tigers live from the SEC tournament right here on the game for their entire run will have you taken care of. But they get the double buy, which is always key. That puts himself in a great position. But what team is going to show up? Is it going to be the team that showed up lifeless against Ole Miss? Or is it going to be the team that showed up like College World Series champions uh, against Vanderbilt. They are a fascinating team. An absolutely fascinating team to kind of watch and just see how they do things because it's kind of phenomenal. Because they're all over the place. Wildly entertaining. The UL Raging Cajuns, meanwhile, they dropped that game to Little Rock. Fans were not happy because they were, you know, and are still one of the worst teams in the Sunbelt Conference. They bounced back to take the series, which is a nice little boost of confidence heading into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. That said, it sure does feel like the Cajuns have lost some of their mojo in that series in San Marcos two weekends back. I could be wrong because baseball is a funny game. Things can turn on a dime for a team. Happens all the time. They're the four seed in the Sunbelt Conference tournament. And they were going to be locked in to that spot. There's going to be no way around it. They just had to win one of their last three games, which they did. They took two of them. They couldn't improve their standing, but it wasn't going to suffer either, right? So they were locked in for the four seed. Okay, great. And they're going to play South Alabama at 4 o'clock, tentatively scheduled on Wednesday. Because once again, the Sunbelt Conference Tournament is held in Montgomery, which is not that far from Birmingham and Hoover. So same storm systems that are supposed to be going through. The SEC tournament are going to be going through there for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament this week. They got to play South Al. They have to play... Matt Deggs' team has to play one of its arch rivals to start off the conference tournament. That is not a great draw. Not a great draw. Not an optimal position. For the Raging Cages to be in. South Alabama was nipping at their heels to get in there the four. They stumbled a little bit late, were unable to do so. So now you got to take on your conference rival, one of your arch rivals at that. Uh, that's not optimal. <laughs> that's not optimal at all where LSU earns the four seed, helps them greatly. The Cajuns not helped. Not helped. Now, they were already locked in, so they really, you understand what I'm saying? They really didn't have a way out. They couldn't really improve themselves. And the Cajuns have had a pretty good year, 33-21 and 21 overall. But now you got to play your arch-rival a long-time nemesis in the Jaguars, and that's tough. Now, you look like they did in the regular season. The Cajuns did take two of three from South Alabama, but they needed extra innings to win one of those games. The loss in that series was by one run, and then they they won the rubber match 6-3. to three. So two of the three games were really, really, really close. And you're having to now play that team that you played really, really close during the regular season. Now you have to play them to start off the conference tournament. Are the Cajuns talented enough to win their opener against South Alabama? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're good enough to earn the four seed for your conference tournament. You should be able to win your first tournament game and move on. But this Cajuns team there's sometimes where you you kind of scratch your head and you go huh and they won the last two games this past weekend easily ten to four nine to three those were easy victories but they also lost a little rock to begin the weekend series got shut out two to nothing so which Cajuns team is going to show up this week as well be interesting to find out we got to take a timeout When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to keep the baseball conversation moving right along. McNeese, a couple things happened over the weekend. Justin Hill set the new all-time wins record. We'll hear from him, his reaction from accomplishing that feat on Friday night during the Southland Conference Tournament's Lake Charles bracket. Then the Cowboys went on to win that side of the bracket. They're going to host Southeastern Louisiana for a best two of three series this coming weekend winner gets that automatic berth into an NCAA regional and gets to be conference tournament champions. We'll talk about that coming up next right here. On the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains, Serenity Now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed.
2: Thank you you've been helpful.
0: Here is The Weekend That Was on RP3 and Company.
1: So much happened over the weekend. We're going to do two segments of the weekend that was. We're going to start off the first part, wrapping up our college baseball conversation with McNeese. Justin Hill breaks the record for all-time wins back on Friday. And you could tell talking to him afterwards that it was an emotional moment for him. He tried, really didn't feel all that comfortable talking about it, just to be quite frank with you. And he had met Tony. He had got to know Tony. Tony was kind of a mentor for him because the the late, great Tony Robichaud was still connected to McNeese. Even though he'd been at coaching the Raging Cajuns for decades, he still went over and saw the McNeese baseball team and spoke over at McNeese and helped out with those baseball coaches and had an open communication, and they played on the field as well. And for Justin Hill so to surpass him, as he did on Friday, to begin the Southland Conference Tournament 2-0, and uh, this is what the skipper of the Cowboys had to say about passing the late, great Tony Robichaud. You know, it was so, it was one of those things, you know, it's, it's a weird feeling being a visitor in your own ballpark. You know, that's a, that's a feeling I haven't had. Um, and it's just kind of one of those things that kind of happens. But uh, it's, it hadn't hit me yet. It hadn't hit me yet. But my favorite part is we're talking about Tony show and the, how good of a man he was, how much he cared about the people uh, more than the players. So that, I'm glad we're talking about that. And that's been what he's said throughout this thing. That, for him, the big thing is having the opportunity to talk about Tony and bringing his name back up. And as much as Tony is beloved here in the Acadiana area for what he did with the Raging Cajuns, including leading them to a College World Series appearance, he's just as beloved over in Lake Charles because he took their baseball program to New Heights, conference championships, NCAA regional appearances, and and laid the groundwork for generations of success to come after him. And not to mention Tony played at McNeese. So the Cowboys always hold a a special place and always did for Tony. And both communities absolutely love the man who's going to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this summer. As for the action on the field, the Southland Conference tournament was split up into two brackets. A little bit different. McNeese won the regular season championship, so they were the number one overall seed. They hosted one half of the bracket. The other half of the bracket was being hosted by Southeastern Louisiana. Now the Lions... Took down the privateers of O yesterday in dramatic fashion to win their side of the bracket, which is going to set up a best two-out-of-three series at Joe Miller Ballpark this coming weekend. The Cowboys, meanwhile, they took care of Incarnate Word on Thursday, 12-6. to six. Nichols had their hands full for a little while. Colonels even took an early lead in this ballgame. On Friday night. But. McNeese's bats just kept going. And the relief pitching stepped up. In an 8-4 victory. Then that turned around on Saturday. Elimination game for Incarnate Word. They defeated Nichols earlier in the day. But McNeese took care of business. Fairly easily. 7-2. No extra day needed. McNeese wins their side of the bracket. And now. Justin Hills and his team, they have Coach Robe's record behind them. That's done. Now they're two wins away from getting back to our NCAA regional for the third consecutive year. Third straight season that you could see McNeese in an NCAA regional. Now, Southeastern is quite good. It's quite good. And this is going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All three games are going to be at six o'clock. Of course, game three on Saturday is if necessary. If necessary. But you look at what these two teams did during the regular season. McNeese took all three games from Southeastern. Took all three. Seven to three, six to four, eight to four. And all three of those games were at the Joe. At Joe Miller Ballpark, so Southeastern's going to be coming in with a chip on their shoulder. They win dramatic fashion over UNO, which a lot of folks believed was the best team in the Southland Conference this year. But Menifee's is going to be at home. You are going to have the home fans. You are going to have the extra day of rest compared to Southeastern because they had they were forced to play on Sunday and you weren't. Should be advantage McNeese, but it's going to be a heck of a series. An absolute heck of a series this coming weekend at Joe Miller Ballpark. Once again, championship series for the Southland Conference Tournament. Number two seed, Southeastern, taking on number one seed, McNeese. there at the Joe. Game one, Thursday at 6 o'clock. Game two, 6 o'clock on Friday, and then if necessary, a game three would be Saturday at six o'clock. So Sunbelt Conference tournament begins play tomorrow. SEC tournament begins play tomorrow. LSU will get back on the Diamond Wednesday night. Hopefully we'll keep our fingers crossed. be scheduled for eight o'clock. Raging Cajuns will tentatively get scheduled, scheduled to start at four o'clock on Wednesday. Keep our fingers crossed when they take on South Alabama. So some interesting. Dynamics for the baseball tournament. McNeese and Southeastern, they've played each other a lot. Two really good teams. Good storylines there. LSU, which LSU team is going to show up in Hoover? Is it going to be the one that showed up in Nashville against Vandy, or is it going to be the one that was at home the weekend before against Ole Miss? And then the Raging Cajuns. They get the four seed, but they have to begin their conference tournament against an arch rival in South Alabama, a team that they had to fight tooth and nail against in two or three games this year already. Should be good. Let's unveil our poll question of the day. It was a surprising weekend in the world of sports. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend for you? That's our poll question of the day. Was it LSU sweeping Vanderbilt? Was it the PGA Championship ending in dramatic fashion? That was wild and crazy. Justin Thomas gets another major victory on the third hole of a playoff. Was it the Preakness Stakes? Epicenter was the favorite. Epicenter didn't win yet again. Or was it something else? We want to hear from you with our poll question of the day. But right now, leading the vote, 63% is LSU sweeping Vanderbilt. 16% say the Preakness stakes. 11% say the PGA Championship ending. And 10% say other. Get to some comments here. JPK, the OD, says, To the uninitiated, the LSU late-season surge would be the easy button answer but we have watched LSU do some version of this every season for the past 20 years. To me, the biggest surprise is that the Saints didn't burn through any of that $12.6 million they have left in cap space. Ton on Twitter says, honestly, the sweep. Not that it happened, but how. Down 6-0 and then winning 18-9 was insane. Now the question is, who will be playing? 11 runs in one inning, Tigers, or getting swept at home, Tigers? It's a fair point. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout today's show. We got to take a timeout. But more of the weekend that was coming up here on RP3 and Company. How did our teams do in the softball regionals? Well, they all came up just a little short. We'll recap that coming up next right here. On the game, one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: RP three is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets.
1: But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a three dollar bet that netted me a cool six dollars and seventy cents. What? Okay, so he's
0: not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me.
3: 21. Hit me. 22. Now now back to more RP3 and company
0: on on the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports Sports Station. station.
1: The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. That's right. You can meet the headliners. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for downtown rising featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. That's just in a few weeks, people. If you want to win this, you got to do it now. Ultimate Downtown Rising Experience, the VIP experience, if you will, is presented by Social Entertainment, Radar Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. NCAA Regionals for softball. Entertaining weekend, but ultimately a disappointing weekend on a lot of fronts, but Optimism is definitely there. Let's start off with LSU. If we began this process, we rewind by a week and said, hey, which one of these teams do you think would be the first ones to depart their regional? LSU, UL, or McNeese? How many people would say LSU? I thought they had the toughest draw of the three. I really did. And Beth Trina's team had an up-and-down season. Their youth played a big role about in that. We talked about that. But this is a case of a team that just didn't finish the season the right way. Let's go back to early May. They're on the road at Mississippi State. They're looking to get a, what was it, a bye for the SEC tournament. They beat Mississippi State the game one 7-2 and then beat them again 9-2. to two. And then they blow a lead and lose 6-5 to five to Mississippi State in the final game of the regular season. And they never have bounced back. They never bounced back from that. Because then they turn around and they were upset by that same Mississippi State team as an 11 seed in the SEC tournament, an early exit from the tournament, which is not like them. They were upset 7-4 to four in a game that went nine innings, even though the score appeared to be lopsided, but Mississippi State just exploded there in the ninth inning. So they lose the final game of the regular season. Then they get bounced early from the SEC tournament, and that forced LSU off the line of hosting a regional. And I think that played the, the biggest role in this. They looked like the team that was not comfortable being on the road as far away from home as they were. That's just how they played because they lost both of their games. They lost their first two games. They were the first team ousted from the state of Louisiana in the NCAA regionals over the weekend. They lost their opener to San Diego State, 10-5. to That was the 2-3 matchup. LSU was the two-seed in the Tempe regional. And then they lose in a heartbreaker – 3 to 2 to the 4 seed Cal State Fullerton. So, they didn't even face the top seed in the regional. LSU's team gets bounced early, losing their first two games, and they go home on Saturday from the Tempe regional, disappointing into a season that began to show some promise, but once again LSU is a young team this year. They lose sincerely, they lose a couple others, but they this will be a great foundation season so to speak for beth Torina's team but definitely disappointing the way they ended the regular season then inexplicably getting ousted from the sec tournament the way they did because the loss to mississippi state in the regular season finale cost them the buy and then they lost to mississippi state in the sec tournament which cost them the ncaa regional they win one of those games we may not be having this conversation hell We may have had another All-Louisiana Regional. These games matter. Raging Cajun softball team. Very young this year, right? We talked about it a lot, but as the season progressed, they got better. They improved. They started to mature. And they had to deal with their own challenges. Sunbelt was down this year. Cajuns found themselves as a three seed, which really doesn't matter. A lot of people are like, well, it's disrespectful. There's not that much difference between a two and a three seed. At a regional. Just really isn't. Plus, they play each other. But they get sent out to Clemson. And they have to deal with their coach not being there because of COVID. They have to deal with two of their better players not being able to take part because of COVID restrictions. And they lose 4-3 to three to Auburn. That You lose that first game, it nearly makes it impossible. It just does. Because you're battling with your back against the wall the entire rest of the weekend. There's no time to breathe. And if you have a young team, that's difficult for them to deal with. But credit the Cajuns because they had to win not one, but two games on Saturday to survive, and they did so. They beat North Carolina Williamson. They need 11 innings to do it, but they got the job done. Remember in softball, regulations only seven, so they nearly played two games for the price of one on Saturday in the first game. They win that in extras. Then they have to turn around and play Auburn, and that really didn't start until right after seven. And they find a way to edge out a win against the Auburn Tigers who had beat them on day one of the regional. They win four to three. Then then comes Sunday, and they were absolutely gassed. They had nothing left. Look, that's what makes it so difficult when you drop the first game because... You typically have to exert so much energy, so much emotion to come back to even get to Sunday and you begin Sunday knowing you have to win two games because it's double elimination and Clemson, the host is just sitting there going, we haven't lost. We're ready. And the Cajuns had to play essentially three games on Saturday because the one game went to 11 innings. So they essentially played four games in two days. By the time Sunday came around, they just had nothing left. You could tell early on that they had nothing left. 11 a.m. first pitch there from South Carolina. Clemson, the national seed, your host, blanks the Cajuns 8 0 in five innings. What do we make of this? The realistic expectation for the Cajuns was this was making an NCAA regional this year. When you were young, as young as they were, and you could tell early on, we had discussions about this team possibly having its Sunbelt Conference Series winning streak snapped this year because they struggled. Remember, this is a team that struggled against the likes of Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Those are not good softball programs. But they found a way. And the fact that they were able to fight and claw their way back and get to the championship round yet again, like they always do, is a great foundation season for this program. The reality is that the best Cajuns team that we've seen probably in a decade never got a chance to play because that season got wiped out due to COVID. The Cajuns were ranked in the top three, top five in the nation that year. They were a legit team to make it to Oklahoma City. The talent on that roster, just stupid good. That was that, That's the great what-if for the Cajuns. But now that Jerry's established, this is a foundation season for the Raging Cajuns. And they should be able to build upon this, especially with all the players they have coming back. The expectations for next year's team, Coming off a 47-win season and reaching the championship round of an NCAA regional should be winning a regional, which they have yet to do under Jerry Glasgow. It's been a minute since the Cajuns won a regional and played for a Super Regional. So we'll see. All bets are off for next season. You would think that. You would think that. You would think this would be the great experience year. But Jerry still hasn't won a regional. It's trending towards them getting to the point of having to win one next year. They should be able to win one next year. But the biggest bright spot of the weekend of the three teams had to be Nice. The Cowgirls start off their regional play on Friday and they run ruled Notre Dame. Like the little team from the Southland Conference went up to Evanston, Illinois and told the Fighting Irish who have 23 or 24 NCAA regional appearances in their history to have some. They plated 10 runs in the first inning in that ball game. 10 10 Notre Dame went through two pitchers in the first inning. They had no idea what happened to them. Menis came in there and said, not today. They run rule Notre Dame in the 2-3 matchup, Menis being the three seed, 11-1 on Friday. So they begin their regional in dominant fashion. And then came Saturday. And Northwestern said, not so fast. Northwestern was your host, national seed, and then they turned around and run-ruled McNeese 17-3. Northwestern has far better experience in the NCAAs than Notre Dame does and that McNeese does combined. Northwestern has a national runner-up on their resume. They've been to the Women's College World Series a handful of times. This is what they do. And they can beat you in a multitude of ways. Then late on Saturday night, it's an elimination game. And after being humbled by the host, Northwestern, McNeese has to turn back around and play Notre Dame yet again because Notre Dame had won earlier in the day to keep their hopes alive. And credit the Cowgirls. They beat Notre Dame in a hard-fought game, an elimination game. That didn't start until 8.50 on Saturday night. They win that game 3-1. And for the first time in program history, the McNeese Cowgirls advance to a championship round of a regional, NCAA regional. LSU has done it a bunch of times. UL has done it a bunch of times. McNeese had never done it. They had never won a regional. They, in fact, had never even advanced to a championship round of a regional. And they did that by beating Notre Dame late Saturday night while many of us were already in bed, including myself. That means they got another crack at Host Northwestern. And it wasn't as lopsided as it was the first time around. But the Wildcats took care of the Cowgirls 10-2 in five innings on Sunday. So none of our teams won their NCAA regional. None of them are going to the Supers, but could be great foundation seasons across the board for McNeese, who makes history by advancing to their first regional championship round. For the Cajuns, who were young, get to now have that experience and get to build on that and LSU, who disappointingly went out 0-2 in the regional round. We've got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here on RP3 and Company. Right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <music> Poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend? Was it LSU sweeping Vanderbilt the way they did in baseball to lock up the number four seed for the SEC tournament in the double bye? Was it the PGA Championship ending, which we're going to get to coming up this next hour? Justin Thomas winning yet another major. Was it the Preakness Stakes? Oh, man. Your betting line favorite, the Louisiana Derby winner, just... Constantly is just coming up in second place. Epicenter did so again. Or was it something else? Right now, the poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend? 63% of you say LSU sweeping Vanderbilt. 17% of you say that ending of the PGA Championship. 13% say the Preakness stakes with Epicenter finishing as runner-up yet again. And 7% of you say other. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. You can leave your comments, by the way, on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Don't get crazy with it. You want to get a little salty? That's fine. You can do so. Just don't be inappropriate. Don't cross a line. We don't want the Facebook police to have to block you. Come on now. Blaine on Facebook says LSU destroying Vandy on the road. Nine RBIs in one game by Joe Bear. That was ridiculous. That was absolutely ridiculous. Unbelievable. Nine ribbies in a game by one player. Unreal. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on our poll question of the day. Coming up about half an hour from right now, Jeff Palermo will join us to talk about LSU's big weekend. We're also going to touch on this next hour NBA playoffs over the weekend and the PGA Championship. That's all coming up right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known
1: as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. 703 here on this slightly humid Monday morning, May the 23rd. What a weekend it was. Busy, busy weekend in the world of sports. We haven't even gotten to really the PGA Championship, its dramatic finish, and the NBA playoffs. Action in both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We'll do that coming up this hour here on RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Joined by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. Coming up half an hour from right now, Jeff Palermo will be joining us to talk all things LSU. Disappointing weekend on the diamond for the softball team as they go 0-2 for 2 at the Tempe Regional. Early oust for Beth Trina's team. And it's just the way they ended the season. Of all three teams that we cover here at the game, LSU, UL, and McNeese. The way LSU softball ended their season is the one that goes, eh, where you go, ugh. Because they gave up a chance to get the bye at the SEC tournament by blowing a lead against Mississippi State in the regular season finale. Then they were upset by those same Bulldogs, an 11 seed at the SEC tournament, which took away them hosting a regional. And then they lost to the three seed San Diego State, and then they lost to the four seed Cal State Fullerton. So they ended their season with four straight defeats. And a lot was on the line in all four of those. So once again, LSU softball team was a young team as well. Raging Cajun softball team, they come up short, but they do reach the championship round of the Clemson Regional there in South Carolina. They have to fight back to do it. Missing a coach, missing a few players for some of their regional action because of COVID. They dig themselves a hole, lose against Auburn on Friday, but they come back, win back-to-back games, including an 11-inning affair. So essentially they played three games on Saturday. They just ran out of gas against Clemson on Sunday. But a good foundation year for Jerry Glasgow's team. And the expectation has to be for next season. They're going to have to win a regional. This was the growing pains year. This was finally the growing pains season under Jerry Glasgow. And they still made it all the way to a championship round of an NCAA regional. Despite having a very young team. And they matured as the season went along the team that lost to LSU earlier in the season, the team that lost badly to Alabama early in the season is not the same team that we just saw. So with all the talent they have coming back, plus another recruiting class, the expectations for next season should be hosting a regional and winning a regional. And they haven't done either one of those things in a while. So, but definitely... Feels like the program's trending back to the towards that direction. I Meanie softball team makes history. They had never advanced to an NCAA regional championship round before. They had never played in a regional outside of the state of Texas or Louisiana. Yet, they beat Notre Dame not once but twice in the Evanson Regional but ultimately fall short against host Northwestern on Sunday. But all three teams could have great foundation seasons for years to come. So congratulations on great years for all three of those teams. Staying on the diamond. Raging Cajuns bounce back from losing the opener to Little Rock to take the next two games to win the series. That helps them secure the four seed for the Sun Belt Conference Tournament, which begins play tomorrow in Montgomery. The problem for Matt Deggs' team is they have to start off the conference tournament as the four seed against their arch rival, South Alabama. A team that... Came down to a pair of one-run games during the regular season. Two of the three were immensely close. So this is going to be a dogfight for sure come Wednesday. They're scheduled. Once again, we're going to use the term scheduled loosely here for both the SEC tournament and the Sunbelt Conference tournament. Both of them are taking place in lovely northern Alabama. SEC tournament at the Met there in Hoover, outside of Birmingham. The Sunbelt tournament will be in Montgomery. Severe thunderstorms are supposed to be going through the area this week. So we expect both tournaments to be disrupted. That's why we say scheduled, and we say that loosely. But Matt Deggs' team is supposed to be taken on South Alabama Wednesday afternoon, 4 o'clock. There at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Montgomery. The LSU baseball team, meanwhile, will be there in Hoover. They earned the bye, the double bye, which is key. The team we saw lose at home, be embarrassed by Ole Miss, and get swept by the Rebels for the first time in program history, turns around, goes on the road to Nashville, the home of the Vandy Whistler, and sweeps the Commodores for the first time ever in Nashville. What? What? What's going on? That type of performance, Dylan Cruz is an absolute monster. I know we talked about Jobert having the 9-ribby game over the weekend. Ridiculous. But, but Dylan Cruz is... Just a a monster, an absolute monster. It didn't matter that the pitching wasn't stellar for the Tigers. Because that lineup is another level. Absolutely is. And you got to see their potential, even with the starting rotation not being at its best. they went into Nashville and mowed down the Commodores. That's the potential. That's LSU's potential right there. That's why there's times when you watch them play and you go, this is a team that can make it to Omaha. This is a team that can beat anybody in the country. But then you have to remind yourself, hold up. This is the same team that was swept at home by Ole Miss a weekend ago. LSU helps its case greatly with hosting an NCAA regional by sweeping Vanderbilt they get all the way up to like 2021 so that means they're right there in the conversation of hosting an NCAA regional now they're going to have to help themselves by winning a couple games in Hoover getting to Friday would probably get the job done if they can win two games this week at the SEC tournament and get to Friday. That should be enough to be able to host a regional. Some people think they've already done enough. I, I think they're close. I think it's going to be real close. Right now, they would force the committee to make a really difficult decision on whether or not LSU would host a regional. Maybe a, a thing that would be debated and argued about behind closed doors. If they win two games at the SEC tournament, then there's nothing to really debate. Then LSU kind of makes the committee's decision far easier for them. Because then it becomes abundantly clear that LSU is trending in the right direction. They're playing their best baseball at the right time. And just be done with it. So we'll see. That's what's on the line right now. LSU's put itself back in the conversation, back in the mix to be able to host a regional. I still think they probably need to win a couple games to make sure that happens. But by going on the road and sweeping Vandy like they did, they put themselves back in that conversation. They get the double bye to give themselves an advantage for the SEC tournament. And they'll be looking to make their first run in Hoover under Jay Johnson. The McNeese Cowboys, meanwhile, Justin Hill on Friday passes Tony Robichaud on an emotional night for the skipper of the McNeese Cowboys as he passed Tony Robichaud for most wins in McNeese program history. An emotional, uh, emotional moment for Coach Hill. And then the Cowboys go out there and win their game on Saturday, Saturday night. To win their bracket of the Southland Conference Tournament. And your Southland Conference regular season champions. Now will host Southeastern Louisiana for a best 2 out of 3 series. This coming weekend at Joe Miller Ballpark. Winner wins the conference tournament and gets an automatic bid to an NCAA regional. The Meanies Cowboys are trying to get to their third straight NCAA regional. So a lot on the line their team is coming together nicely as well so and look they swept southeastern they took all three from the lions the fighting lions of hammond but it's hard to beat a team six times i mean that's asking a lot i love the format I love the format. Don't get me wrong. I do. There's nothing, I think it's really cool, especially with this being a transitional year in the Southland Conference with the teams moving out and the teams moving back in. Things will be more set in stone next year, but I do like how this was done. But it's going to be hard for McNeese. It's going to be absolutely difficult for the Cowboys. Because it's tough to beat any team that many times in a row, it just is. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Chad, to the show. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend?
2: Oh man, a couple things, man. Uh, good Monday morning, man. It's kind of nasty outside, but uh, it's all right, man. But listen, I think the whole uh, the young team stuff is so overrated. Uh, I think these kids now play year round. They have 40, 50 games under their belt at the end of the season. They're not they're not young no more. That's, that's just my opinion. That's for LSU, any, any school, any team, UL, whatever. Uh, I mean, Dylan Cruz and all of them were freshmen last year, and they were the best players on the team uh, as freshmen. I know they're uh, and He probably should be the first pick of the NBA uh, Major League Baseball draft next year. Uh, but in, also, LSU baseball, I think they already end. Uh, it's all about what, you, what you've done for me lately, and that committee is going to see they swept Vanderbilt Uh, in that series. But if they win one more game, I think 100% they're in. Two games, I don't think they have to do that, man. But I think that one game in the Hoover, if they win that one, uh, they definitely have it locked up. It's not uh, now, man. But anyway, enjoy your show like always, buddy. Thank you.
1: Appreciate the phone call, Chad. Yeah, look. They could get in with just one win. I could definitely see that being the case. But you'd like to get two wins just to be sure. Right? Just to be sure. I think the committee wants them. The committee definitely wants LSU to be in the tournament. They want LSU to, in particular, host a regional. Because they know it's going to be box office. They just do. They know that. They they know the atmosphere at Alex Box Stadium is something different. I'm a little bit more more conservative than Chad. But I could see, because they swept Vandy, if they win one game in Hoover, that that would be enough to do it for them. I mean, heck, what they've already done could be enough. Well, like I said before, if they had to make a decision today on that, if they had to make a decision today, they probably would put LSU in as a regional host. Because LSU's now forced their hand after going on the road and sweeping number 21-ranked Vanderbilt. And not only did they sweep them, they crushed their face. Let's be fair. Let's call it what it is. So, we'll see. I like LSU's chances, the way the draw is set up. I like their chances to win at least a couple games. If they do that, they're going to host a regional, and you're going to have more baseball at the box the following weekend. Leads us to our poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend? There was plenty of them. Was it the Preakness Stakes? Only four horses from the Kentucky Derby were in the field, one of them being Epicenter, the Louisiana Derby winner. Odds-on favorite to win the Preakness after finishing second and being the odds-on favorite to win the Derby. Did Epicenter win? Nope. Finished second again. Was it the PGA Championship? Had one golfer have an absolute meltdown on hole 18. Goes to a playoff. Justin Thomas wins on the third playoff hole. Was it LSU sweeping Vandy or was it other? That's our poll question of the day. And right now, 68% of you say LSU sweeping Vanderbilt. 14% say the ending of the PGA Championship. 11% say the Preakness Stakes. And 7% of you say other. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day leave your comments on facebook and twitter we want to hear from you but right now we got to take a time out here on rp3 and company when we return we're gonna talk pga championship we're gonna talk about nba playoffs that's coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station
0: here on rp3 and company we talk about the sports you know and love Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer? Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and Company on the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, if you haven't joined the rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you need to go do so today because here's why. Once you become a member, it's really easy. Just simply go to our website, click on the clubhouse rewards tab. That's all you got to do. Sign up, become a member. And once you become a member, you're going to earn points. And that points becomes your currency, so to speak. And that will allow you to enter to win free stuff. And we're talking great stuff. I'm not talking stuff, cheap stuff. I'm talking great stuff. This is what you can win. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. That's right. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Delicious mouth-watering steaks down there at Cypress Bayou. You can have a great time with your lady or with your boys they have a cigar room and you can have a good time down there spending your money on gambling and whatnot but you can also win yourself a $50 gift certificate to half shell oyster house that's right $50 gift certificate to half shell oyster house mouth watering gulf seafood as well you can You can only win, though, that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's or the $50 gift certificate to Half Shell by becoming a member of our clubhouse today. So go sign up. It's free to do so. Once again, visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. That way you can have an opportunity to win great free stuff. Let's take a moment here to talk a little NBA playoffs, a little PGA championship. We'll start off with the PGA Championship because, wow, just, I I wasn't expecting this. Not that I wasn't expecting Justin Thomas to win. He was one of your better players or betting options really heading in to the PGA Championship. But there were so many storylines involved with the event there outside of Tulsa, right? Phil Milkelson, excuse me not part of it, not playing, even though he's the defending champ because he's been essentially banished. Tiger Woods has to withdraw after shooting the worst round in a major in his career. He did that on Saturday after being able to rally to make the cut. On Saturday, he shoots the worst round in a major in his career, and... Has to withdraw from the tournament. That's how bad Tiger is right now. So there's a lots of different storylines. But Justin Thomas is able to win this in the playoffs. In the third playoff hole to be in particular. Now, there were some meltdowns. That did happen. <laughs> okay. He shot 67 to force a playoff with Will Zalatoris. And then Thomas made birdie on two of the three holes in a playoff to win his second major of his career. Of course, his dad was there for the moment. Great moment there at Southern Hills in Tulsa. And Thomas was asked afterwards, After an emotional day, after a long day on Sunday there, Thomas was asked, you know, when did he think he was going to have an opportunity? When did he think he was going to have a shot to win his second major?
4: As soon as I found out I was going to be in a playoff, I mean, I didn't, when I missed the putt on 18, I looked at the leaderboard, in regulation, I looked at the leaderboard and saw and. I had a pretty good feeling that 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 putt was pretty important. And I hit a really good putt, just hit it a little, little too hard. But I didn't know what the score was going to be. I mean, I knew – I kind of looked – I looked at the leaderboard last night, just kind of looked at – surveyed it, just I guess – took one last look at it, if you will. And I mean, there's a lot of great players ahead of me, but I know that they hadn't won a major before. And um, I know I hadn't won in a while, but I just, I remember how tough it was and I remember how tough it is now to win. So I knew I was going to be nervous and I knew that they'd be feeling the exact same thing. So I felt like I probably needed to get to six or seven to have a chance, but I also didn't know. I mean, I just as well knew two or three could be in a playoff. Like you just don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, just glad stayed patient and kind of went about my, about my way.
1: What makes what Thomas did even more phenomenal is the fact of how he performed Saturday. The course ate him up and spit him out on Saturday. He shot a 74 on Saturday. He began Sunday seven shots back of the leader. You know how difficult it is to make up seven shots in one round of golf? Maybe three. Maybe four. But he made up seven. Was able to flush the terribleness that was Saturday behind him. Starts off seven shots behind the leader, which was Pereira, to begin Sunday. And Thomas maintained. And Thomas chipped away and got himself into a playoff. Now... We also have to say the obvious here that the leaders kind of stumbled as well. They wilted under the pressure of a major championship because here's the thing about what happened yesterday at the PGA Championship. If anyone in the top five, all someone in the top five had to do yesterday was shoot even par, and the mountain would have been too steep to climb for Justin Thomas. That's it. All someone in the top five had to do was shoot even par. And Thomas, it would have been too much for Thomas to have been able to overcome. But that's not what happened. And the game of golf, this is what makes it fascinating. This is why it's such great theater to watch is because things like this happen. So many different things had to happen. Thomas had to shoot as well as he did. There was even a moment there on 18 where he missed his putt. You just heard him talk about it where he thought maybe, maybe he was out of it. But he wasn't because the leaders, the people in front of him, they stumbled. And a guy who started to begin to have questions about him, whether or not the young gun was going to win another major, if he was going to return to that form and be a major champion for the second time, well, that all got answered because that's exactly what Thomas did yesterday, coming back from seven strokes back to win his second major of his career. And what an amazing, amazing comeback by Justin Thomas. Let's quickly head over to the NBA. The Western Conference Finals is a bit of a snooze fest. Can we just say it? I'll, I'll say it. It's a bit of a snooze fest. Dallas is trying its best, but last night it was abundantly clear yet again that Golden State is going to advance to the NBA Finals. 109-100 to 100 victory for Golden State. The Dubs go into Dallas and take care of the Mavericks. Steph Curry, 31 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists. Luca goes off for 40 points, has 11 rebounds, 3 assists, but it's not enough. G- Golden State is just too deep, and they're too much of a veteran squad. They have the championships already in the case. They have the individual accolades. They have the litany of experiences that Dallas and the way they're constructed do not have, do not possess. Can Dallas steal a game here? Sure. Can they make this a gentleman's sweep? Sure. And we've seen Dallas down before, right, the first two playoff series, but this feels different. Golden State feels like they learned from their mistakes of not playing well against Memphis and struggling to put away the Grizzlies in the semifinals. They look like they understand what's at stake, and they have an opportunity, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, with now this retooled roster with Andrew Wiggins and others, to be able to make it to another NBA Finals and have another opportunity to win their fourth championship together as a group. The Eastern Conference Finals, which gets back in action tonight, is far more interesting, has far more drama. The series went back to Boston tied 1-1. Boston had bounced back in a big way in Game 2, if you remember. They had Marcus Smart back. They got Al Horford back. They evened up the series and bounced back from Jimmy Butler dropping 41 on them in Game 1. So the series goes back to Boston. You think it's in Boston's control. Not so fast. The Heat take Game 3 on Saturday. They're now up two games to one. Game 4 will be tonight. Butler leading the way for Miami, of course. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart leading the way for Boston. Is this a must-win for the Celtics? It feels that way because you don't want to go down three games to one in a seven-game series, but these two teams are so evenly matched, Boston could lose tonight and still have a chance because I think their depth is a little bit better than Miami's. Once again, Eastern Conference Finals resumes. Game four will be tonight there in Boston. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk all things LSU with our guy, Jeff Palermo, sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He's also the co host of Tiger Rag Radio. We'll talk LSU baseball, softball next, right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the
0: game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports stock in southwest Louisiana.
1: Where did this LSU baseball team come from? Seriously. The team that showed up this past weekend in Nashville and crushed the faces of the Commodores for their first ever sweep in Nashville, if this is the team that shows up during the SEC tournament, if this is the team that shows up for a regional, heck, this is the team that could make it to Omaha. Was this a blip on the radar, or are the Tigers refocused? Had they reached another level? To break it all down for us as a man who talks about the Tigers every week on Tiger Rag Radio. It's our good friend, the one and only Jeff Palermo, joins us now here on RP3 and Company. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Raymond. How's things in your world? Living the dream, bud. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the illustrious <laughs> Mr. Palermo. So let me ask you this. I, I, It's always good for a team to go in there and win a series like they did. But I was not prepared... For this LSU baseball team to go in there and absolutely curb-stomp Vanderbilt at their place and sweep them. How surprising is the result?
5: Oh, to sweep them, very surprising. But we've said this before uh, when this team puts it together, especially offensively, it is very tough to slow them down. You know, we saw this in Gainesville, you know, when they scored. In games two and three, they scored a combination or or combined 27 runs in that series. In that, in those last two games, Um, you know Mississippi State, they look really good. Obviously, Uh, granted, Mississippi State is is not very good. Um, They've put it together at times. You know whether it's you know two game stretches, um, you know playing well against Alabama, um, sweeping Missouri. Uh, You know, I mean, they have been kind of an up and down season because it's a team that really relies on hitting and hitting comes and goes on on all levels um, of baseball, especially in college and, and, you know, professional. And when this team is locked in at the plate, they are very difficult to beat. And this was really the first time this season, I would say that they were able to do it three games in a row. And, uh, you know, the return of Jacob Barry is a little bit something to do with it. But the other thing is, is when Braden Joe bear is red hot. LSU is very difficult to beat because all of a sudden that just gives this team another dynamic bat. And we've seen them go through these hot streaks before where for, Four, five, six games—you can't get him out. It seems like, and then you know, he'll have stretches two, three weeks you're not really hearing much from him. But uh, he's got a hot bat now, and we'll see how long it continues into the SEC tournament.
1: Dylan Cruz is also an absolute monster and has been playing at that level for a while. And it, just the lineup—you're right. Jacob Berry being back helps, but. Joe Bear having nine RBIs in a game, nine, like it's just ridiculous. And they did so on the road, Jeff. That's the other thing Mm -hmm. that stands out about this. This wasn't done in the friendly confines of Alex Box Stadium. This was done in the land of the Vandy Whistler. They never had swept Vandy before on the road. Uh, Just how impressive is that, especially considering that they were swept at home by Ole Miss the previous weekend?
5: This team, for whatever reason, seems to play better on the road. i don't know if it's just a little bit more focus, pressure's off when they're on the road. It's just maybe it's uh, us versus them mentality, but they're ten and seven on the road i mean that's a that's a really good record. they' got fewer losses on the road this season than they do at home. yeah, um, now granted they, they play more games at home i I, I get that they, they play almost like twice as many, but still. Um, when you look at the SEC season and how it's transpired, you know they didn't, they, they lost series at home to uh, Auburn, to Texas A&M. Uh, meanwhile, they're going on the road and they're taking a series from Florida. They're, they went on up to Starkville and they sweeped them. Um, you know, really the only uh, the the only things, um, and then you know, obviously at, at old uh, when they hosted Ole Miss they uh they just didn't play very well at home that weekend and um they they to me have just seemed like a better team on the road for whatever reason that may be and but still what they what they did to Vanderbilt was just uh it was almost criminal in a way <laughs> how bad they beat them and how many runs they were able to score uh during the course of the three games
1: they get the double bye for the SEC tournament which is a huge deal for them and LSU always performs well in Hoover but this will be the first time with Jay Johnson at the helm and we've seen how up and down this team has been this year what are your expectations for LSU at the SEC tournament this week
5: yeah I'm really interested to see if they can, can continue the tradition that Palmineri put in place where this team seems to play its best baseball in the SEC tournament and uh, how well that can continue after um, sweeping Vanderbilt uh, I mean I I I I think this has been you know this has been an up and down season in a way and I think it's going to continue here through the post season. So I mean they can look good for a couple games and then they they might lose two, uh two in a row. I I mean it it might or they might go there and and drop two games and and, and come back home and find out where they're going to go in a in an NCAA regional and if whether or not they're going to host or not. So um they're a team that uh, it can go either way just because the pitching isn't dominant enough. And then the sticks at the plate when it comes to hitting, as, as we've mentioned, that can go hot and cold, too. And if it you know turns lukewarm or cold as far as the hitting goes, LSU will not last long in any tournament they play here uh, over the next couple of weeks.
1: What about the lack of pitching beyond Hilliard? Any concerns there do you think this team is just gonna just be able to outrake everyone?
5: Well, you just can't score ten <laughs> runs, eight runs every game. You just can't do it. I mean, I, I think you saw that against Old Miss. Right. right. I mean they they only scored a total of nine runs in that three game series did LSU. Um they're just not going to be able to. They, they, you you can't. They can't do that. As good as these hitters are, uh, it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, but can they still continue to put up you know ten, twelve, you know fourteen run performances here and there? No doubt about it. There, there's no doubt about it. So uh, I, I think there is a, a certain concern when it comes to uh, the amount of pitching because. For them, you know, they're not going. They're going to have a hard time when he knows, you know, low-scoring games. They've been able to do it this season at times, but even you point back to that series against Arkansas. Granted, uh, you know that was middle of April, and here we are, end of May. Those were three low-scoring games, and they couldn't figure out how to win them. Uh, you know, the highest-scoring game was the first game of the series, and there were nine runs scored in that series, and they couldn't. Figure out how to beat them, and that's a really good team. Um, you know, Auburn—they they needed to score nine runs and beat them. Uh, Florida—they had to score in double figures to to win those games. Um, so that we'll see, we'll see how it works. Uh, but um, I think that will always be a concern uh, for the rest of this season. You know, Canada. You know, it, what happens in a game. Where LSU's bats get handcuffed a little bit, can the pitching uh, do enough to make sure that LSU wins that game
1: still? We're talking with Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network. He's also co host of Tiger Rag Radio. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. Let me ask you this, Jeff, one more baseball question we, before we switch over to the softball team. How many games do they need to win in Hoover to lock up a regional to host?
5: Well, I've always thought that 17 wins is the number to conference play, and they were able to do that by getting the sweep over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, that RPI, though, still didn't get up as high as you would have thought. Uh, it seemed to really take a, a huge drop after losing to to Ole Miss. And if you if you look at the latest uh, D1 baseball projections, which came out uh, following the regular season. They do not have LSU hosting. They have LSU going to Southern Miss and playing the uh, Golden Eagles in the Hattiesburg Regional. So uh, they may need to win a game. In my mind, you get 17 wins in the SEC. That's good enough to um, get you as a host site. But, again, I'm not looking at the the whole big picture of everything here. Uh, so maybe LSU does need to get at least another win under its belt uh, to help secure a Regional host uh, bid or ho- regional host berth.
1: So, do you believe two wins then would lock that up if they make it to Friday? Oh, yeah,
5: for sure. I mean, I can't. Yeah, and now you're talking about over the course of the SEC tournament and the regular season, 19 wins against yeah. SEC opponents. I mean, if if that doesn't get you in, then uh, an investigation needs to be had.
1: All right, bud. Let's talk about the softball team. And I just I'm not surprised that they didn't win the Tempe regional. Yeah. I'm surprised by how this team finished the season. And I I go back to them blowing that lead on the final day of the regular season against Mississippi State, which cost them a bye at the SEC tournament. And then they get to the SEC tournament, and then they lose to that same Mississippi State team, which was an 11 seed, and that drops them out of hosting an NCAA regional. And then they go 0-2 for at the Tempe Regional without even having to play the top seed. What happened with Beth Trina's team there at the end in the last week or so?
5: Well, this is kind of a, a struggling season, really, all, all year long. I mean, there were a few bright spots uh, during the course of the season, you know, taking two and three from Alabama when yep. they were ranked number two in the country. Um, you know, they, they really rebounded there uh, at the end. You know, they, they won a, a big series against Georgia, taking two out of three from them. Uh, but then it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of fell apart. And they they didn't have the pitching. That's, you know, that's one thing. They didn't necessarily, granted the, their final game, they lost three to two, which was, you know, that, that that's obviously difficult to swallow. But when you look at a lot of their losses, they're giving up, you know, six to ten runs a game in those kind of contests. And I, I just think you're also looking at uh, kind of a young team, um, especially, you know, position wise. And they'll, I, I think this season, they can only, they, they can only kind of learn from it. And the, um, the, the recruiting class that they're bringing in next year is supposedly very, very good. Uh, you know, one of the tops in the country. And so that is a good sign and we'll, we'll see, but um, yeah, this was the season was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, there's no doubt about it, Uh, not winning a game in the regional. I know Beth Tarina knows that's not acceptable. And so uh, let's see, now that they get uh, a little bit more experience, um, maybe that might, uh, you know, the the fact that some of the struggles they went through, uh, that that will help them. But I I think there's some really good players on this team. I mean, Sierra Briggs is a sophomore, Allie Newland's a sophomore. Um, you're getting, you know, Sydney coffee, she, or uh, Danica coffee, I should say, uh, is a, is a sophomore. So those were some of your best players that that are pretty young. And so you're, you got a lot of position players coming back. You got to figure out what's going on in the circle, get better there. And, um, hopefully it's just, um, you know, this was just a, a a blip on the screen and they can get back to where they're playing in a, a super regional again next season.
1: Jeff. Appreciate your time. As always, brother, keep up the tremendous work that you're doing there with the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio. Enjoy your week, my friend, and we'll talk to you next Monday.
5: All right. Sounds good. I appreciate it, Raymond.
1: We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number two here on this humid Monday edition of RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. whole question of the day. Let's get the update. We asked you, what was the biggest surprise of the weekend? There was plenty of surprises this sports weekend. Was it LSU sweeping Vanderbilt in Nashville for the first time ever? And not only did they sweep them, they crushed their faces. Was it the ending of the PGA Championship where you had the leaders, your top five falter on Sunday, Justin Thomas back? behind seven strokes to start the day, rallies, forces a playoff, and wins it on the third playoff hole for his second major. The Preakness Stakes, Epicenter was your betting favorite, the Louisiana Derby winner. Also, Epicenter was the favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. Epicenter, of course, loses in now famous fashion to Rich Strike. Well, no Rich Strike in the field at the Preakness. None. Didn't happen. Only four horses total from the Derby left over into the Preakness. Yet Epicenter does not win the Preakness stake. Another upset there. Or was it something other? 66% of you say LSU sweeping Vanderbilt. 16% say the ending of the PGA championship. 13% of you say the Preakness stakes. And 5% say other. Steve Steve on Twitter says all three were meltdowns. Mido meltdown expected because he has never won on the tour. It's true. He did have a bit of a meltdown. Vandy meltdown unexpected. Rosario meltdown was very unexpected for being at the top of his profession. Mama Cass would have been proud of all three. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Final hour coming up here on RP3 and Company. Jay Walker will help us kick it off, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. But we're also going to be unveiling our trivia question of the day this morning. We got two tickets for Downtown Rising to give away. Going to be a Saints trivia question for you coming up this morning, next hour. Next hour. Downtown Rising Trivia question, so you can score two tickets to go see the Cold War kids. That's coming up next hour. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Everything going be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: Hour number three has arrived here on RP3 and Company. Woo, final hour of today's show. It's been a good one. We've had a lot to cover. A lot happened over the weekend. PGA Championship run, won by Justin Thomas. Preakness Stakes was not won by epicenter of the favorite. LSU baseball gets a sweep at Vandy. NCAA Regionals for softball, McNeese, UL, and LSU all were in the field. And, of course, Raging Cajun's baseball team wraps up the regular season, and they're gearing up now for the conference tournament in Montgomery. To talk all things Cajuns, though, It's going to be our next guest. He's the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He's our good friend, the one and only Jay Walker. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
3: I am absolutely wonderful and happy Monday to
1: all of you. Happy Monday, my friend. Happy Monday. All right. Let's start with the baseball team. They bounced back from that loss that they experienced in game one of the regular season finale against Little Rock. They take the next two games and lock up the number 4 seed. Uh, how do you feel about this team heading into the conference tournament this week in Montgomery?
3: Well, you know, uh, if they're going to win it, um, a lot of things have to go their way. Um, but I, I like the way that they swung the bat the last two days. Look, Hayden Arnold plays for a not very good team. And at the same time, I don't know that there's a better pitcher in this league than Hayden Arnold. So what happened on Friday, uh, Thursday, well, I filed that under, hey, that happens. Um, I I think what you're going to see at the tournament, after the first day or two, are you, you're going to see teams that are going to have to swing the bat if they want to continue. Because I, I, I don't know that you're going to have any pitchers go out and start to dominate people once day three gets there.
1: Yeah, because once, as the tournament progresses, the arms are going to get a little uh, a little bit tired. You're not going to be able to throw your guys as often. Uh, what do we make of this matchup? It's against the arch rival, the nemesis, South Alabama. A couple of those games were really close during the series. Uh, what do you make of this opening round matchup for Matt Dexter's team?
3: Well, I, I think the two teams are, are, are different. I think both of them hit the ball better than they did um, – back when they met in the second week of conference play. I mean, let's remember that was two months ago. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think these teams are different. First of all, South Alabama's had a couple of pitchers go down. Um, and so their pitching depth is not terrific. And I'm just talking about the tournament itself as opposed to day one. Um, I tally beat them uh, when they played uh, in Lafayette. But, Matt Boswell is the guy who beat the Cajuns in game two, and he's now their game one starter. He he led the league in strikeouts, and he threw a four-hitter against the Cajuns in Lafayette. Going to be a tough first-round match. It always is when you play South Alabama. You know yep. that it just is what it is. These two teams are going to get after each other. Uh, I, I don't know what it's going to come down to. I, I think it's going to come down to which teams are – which team – are able to get timely hits um, because I don't think anybody's going to go out and put up 15 hits against the other guy's pitcher. How do you do with two outs? How do you do with runners in scoring position? I think that's going to decide it.
1: Carson Rockefeller has put together a sensational season, especially at the dish. Uh, you know, I know the conference awards are going to be unveiled today, and I know Matt Deggs really doesn't, you know, give. Uh, you know, uh, doesn't really care about all that, but do you believe Carson had made a name for himself as possibly being the hitter of the year, player of the year?
3: Well, the only reason he's not is because of Dalton Sheffield. Oh, that's um, true. First of all, Sheffield's team won. You know, Roquefort had nine hits in his last ten at-bats. He missed a batting title by one point. Sheffield won at 396. Roquefort's at 395. He missed the RBI crown by one RBI. Uh, Noah Ledford of uh, Georgia Southern uh, had, uh, I think, a 12 or 13 RBI weekend and, and, and passed him up. Uh, Rockafellar has stolen 23 bases. You know, I think in any other year, he he's probably the guy to beat for the Player of the Year award. But Sheffield won the batting title. He led the uh, he led the league in uh, runs scored. He uh, led the league in doubles. Uh, he was among the leaders in walks, hits, home runs I mean you know he's had a great year, and his team won, so he's going to win the award um but Rocco's had an amazing season he's not draft eligible, so the Cajuns have him for another year and um he's uh he's going to the Cape this summer, see how he does with a wooden bat but he's he's had a remarkable season um it's been a long time since we've had one like that.
1: Yeah, it has been a long time, Jay. Uh, we're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Give me a, a few guys, a few X factors for the Cajuns to go on a tear and win the Sunbelt Conference Tournament this week, bud.
3: Uh, they're all pitchers. And, and you can go ahead and pick, pick your poison. Um, first of all, if you noticed over the weekend, your starting pitchers went four innings. Um, that was by design because I think that Talley and Schultz and Hefe may have to throw multiple times in the tournament, and I, and I, and I think that's why uh, they kept the, their pitch count down. And so I, I think those guys are going to have to play a role besides the, the day that they are the starting pitcher. But I think the rest of it boils down to the guys in the bullpen RP, look, if they go out and do what they're capable of doing, read into that, throw strikes. If they go in and do that on a regular basis, this team's going to be right in the middle of it. But if they go out and they start being generous and walk in five, six, seven guys a game, they're going to be in trouble because the other teams in their bracket are very capable of making them pay for that. So I think your X factor is every guy who's not a starting pitcher that is going to pitch for the Cajuns during this tournament, they have to come out and they need to pitch clean. If they do that, Cajuns are going to have a shot.
1: So pitchers are going to have to essentially pitch clean and obviously you're going to have to get the timely hits, but that's always the case, especially with the bats. You know, uh, we're so focused on the Cajuns, and obviously everyone's talking about Texas State being the team. But, but give me another team for those that may be making the trip over to Montgomery or going to be listening in, uh, Jay. Uh, a team that you feel, based on what you've seen with your own eyes, could win this conference tournament that's not the Raging Cajuns or Texas State.
3: Uh, I think it's either one of the guys on the other side of the bracket. I think Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina um, have both played great baseball. Coastal might be playing the best baseball of anybody in the league right now. Um, they're just – they're getting it done in all facets of the game. They're pitching well. They're swinging the bat extremely well. Uh, they, they've they shorn up their defense. They they were not very good defensively earlier in the year. They're playing better defense now. And then you got Georgia Southern, who's probably the most relentless team in this entire league. And if you look at that team up and down the lineup, you don't see a whole bunch of draft picks in there, okay? you You just see some guys – who are veteran players, who are hard-nosed. And you talk about a team that gets timely hits. They've got 155 two-out RBI this year. And that's why they're in a position to possibly host a regional if they get to the championship game on Sunday. If those teams take care of their business on Wednesday, that matchup on Thursday is going to be a very interesting one. Coastal took two out of three. From the, uh, from the Eagles in Statesboro a few weeks ago. Um, but that game won't be for the faint of heart. I think either one of those teams, in fact, I think whoever comes out of there becomes the favorite to win the tournament.
1: Wow, wow. Jay, if the season comes to a premature end at the tournament this week for the Cajuns, it's obviously the season would be viewed as a stepping stone season. What's the big thing that needs to happen for the Cajuns to take that next step, say, next year?
3: They need to go out and get some, some, a couple of elite arms. You know, I think they've had, they've had good arms this year, but good arms don't win you championships. Elite arms win you championships. You know, if you look at their starting lineup, there's only one senior in the starting lineup, and that's Connor Kemple. So depending on what happens with the draft, it's possible the rest of them could all be back. And you, they've got another year in the pack system, so they're going to know what to do. Uh, you know, you're know, you going to lose all three of your weekend starters. And so you've got to go out and get some arms, and you've got to get some quality arms. You know, It wouldn't hurt if you could find a Connor Cook or a Spencer Araghetti out there, whether it's in the portal or in junior college or whatever. But they need to stockpile some arms that can come in and get people out on a consistent basis.
1: Jay, let's uh, briefly talk about the softball program. Their season comes to an end out in uh, South Carolina at the Clemson Regional. They dropped their first game, put their backs against the wall, but they had a tremendous Saturday, winning an 11-inning affair to stay alive and then winning yet another game to stay alive. They fall short, kind of run out of gas against uh, Clemson, the national seed. What do you make of this season and how it ended for Jerry Glasgow's team, and what does the future hold?
3: think it's the best coaching job he's done so far. Um to have as many freshmen as he had and to watch what they looked like at the beginning of the season and what they've looked like at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh I, I think it's it's true of the hitters. I also think it's true of the pitchers. I think Justin Robichaud did an outstanding job um with, you know, especially two pitchers who had never pitched for the Cajuns before. Um, no I, I I think that everybody should be very proud of what this team accomplished and you know they they had that heartbreaker against Auburn first time out and then they're sitting there with like one run on 13 hits and they're stranding you know they're, they're stranding the state of Pennsylvania for crying out loud <laughs> um, but they find a way to get it done because the pitchers kept putting up zeros um, and then to come back and, and beat Auburn the way they did after losing to them earlier and having to come from behind to do it you know what? Early in the season, I don't think this team could have done that. But they managed to do it. They The thing that got them on Sunday is the thing that got them a couple of times when they played elite teams during the season. It was the one beginning. Um, and and that got them. Uh, and so, you know, disappointing with the way it ended. But goodness gracious, I, I just think they had a hell of a year this year. And I'm really excited about the future with this softball program, with the players that they have, this team's going to be, I think, really, really good next year.
1: I'll get you out of here with this, Bud. What should the expectation then be with having such a young team this year, but they matured, it's a great foundation year, great experience for those young ladies. They'll be veterans next year, so what should the expectations be for Jerry Glasgow's team in 2023?
3: Oh, I don't know about expectations. I never do people are going to have their own expectations. There are going to be some that say, okay, we, we better we better advance to a super regional. Well, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but I, I just think they take a step forward. I think that they go out and they take care of their business in conference, that they go ahead and go out, and, and I think they can schedule tougher uh, because I think they're going to be a more veteran team. But it's not like this is going to be a junior-senior-laden ball club because it's not. No. So, you know, this, this is still going to be kind of a young team. Um, you know, I expect them to improve and, and that's about all I'm going to say about it. Cause I don't get into expectations much because expectations, uh, you know, the, the first thing that they do is they usually disappoint you because you set them too high as a fan. Uh, and then, and then of course, you're not going to take responsibility for that. You're going to point fingers and say, well, yeah, that, that guy's his fault. Um, I, I just think they take a step forward. I think they continue to improve as a program. Um, and, you know, look, the, the the best days are ahead of them, and I think it's even past next year. So we'll see, but, but I expect them to get better.
1: You know, you always meet our expectations, Jay. I wasn't expecting you to drop a Stevie P slash Kevin Footism on him by saying cat, but you did, and I'm here for it, and I thank you for it, my friend. And there's absolutely no charge for that. <laughs> Enjoy your week, brother. Enjoy Montgomery. Hopefully, uh, knock on wood, uh, good weather will prevail over there in Alabama. Enjoy your trip, my friend.
3: I appreciate it. The weather forecast not looking good. Yeah, it's they not they optimal. Wednesday Thursday, but <laughs> no. we'll see. We'll,
1: we'll see, see, bud. Enjoy it, man. Thanks. It's Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, joining us there. Breaking down all things vermilion and white. Baseball team, going to have to make a run here. Carson Rockefeller, we'll see if he's player of the year. I, I don't think he's going to be. That's why I made sure to ask Jay. We'll find out today, by the way. The all Sun Belt teams for baseball will be released this afternoon, shortly after uh, lunchtime, I've been told. So we'll be on the lookout for that. And the softball team. Uh, uh, look, they're still going to be young, but this experience is going to be hugely valuable. It'll be interesting to see what Jerry does with the transfer portal. If he's going to say, hey, I got these these great young girls, I got this great young nucleus, let me go get two or three veteran players to add to the mix. I could see him doing that because he's done it before. So we'll see. We got to take a timeout. Trivia question to give away downtown rising tickets – is upcoming by the way i right, got your attention good pay attention because it'll be a saint's trivia question if you answer it correctly first one to do so by calling the game hotline 337-706-0111 you're going to score a pair of tickets to downtown rising featuring the cold war kids that trivia question is going to be unveiled coming up in the next 10 minutes You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, you want to see the Houston Astros in person? I know you do. They're the hottest team in baseball right now. They just took three of four from the Tejas Rangers over the weekend. Look, we want to hook you up. We want to put you in seats there at Minute Maid Ballpark and get to cheer on the Astros to victory. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway Houston is going to be taking on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June the 18th, and you can be there to see the Strohs take on those Southsiders. Register in the game clubhouse right now at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and that way you can have the chance to score, wait for it, four tickets to that June 18th ballgame between the White Sox and the Astros, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Yeah, I know. Gas prices are brutal right now. Guess what? You put together the change to get yourself to Houston. We're going to hook you up with tickets for the game. Tour of the ballpark and a hotel night stay. You just have to get yourself there, pay for your gas. That's where the other three tickets come in handy because you can have them chip in on the gas as well. See how that works? We're thinking about you. We're thinking about you. Astro Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? It's a good one. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend? Because we had plenty of them this past weekend. That's what we're asking you this morning. Was it LSU going on the road and sweeping Vanderbilt in Nashville, silencing the Vandy Whistler? Was it the PGA Championship ending? Once again, Justin Thomas rallies from seven strokes back to start the day on Sunday. To force a playoff, he wins it on the third hole. Amazing, his second major victory for the youngster. Was it the Preakness Stakes? Oh, man. Preakness Stakes? It was supposed to be an easy victory. It was not. It was not. Or was it other? That's our poll question of the day. 65% of you say LSU sweeping Vanderbilt. 15% say the PGE Championship ending with Justin Thomas winning on the third playoff hold. 12% of you say the Preakness stakes. And 8% of you say other. Let's get to some comments. Dougie Fresh our guy says other surprised that the Lady Tigers couldn't win their regional not surprised with Lady Cajuns going as far as they did McNeese was surprising hanging up my softball glove and putting on baseball glove hashtag let's go Tigers hashtag let's go Cajuns hashtag let's go Cowboys Doug with the three hashtags this morning the triple threat of hashtags Is there anyone that loves college softball more that's a fan of our program than Doug? The answer you're looking for is no. Pay attention, intern. No one loves college softball more on RP3 and company than our boy Doug. Make a note. Got to make a note. That's how it's got to be done. Shout out to our summer intern from the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Daryl Winnington will be joining us all summer long, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. Here, first day of the internship, my man's ready to go. He's got his notepad out. He's taking notes. That's something that you got to know. Doug is number one softball fan of RP3 and company. Darren is the number one raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. Daryl, there's a lot that you're going to have to, uh, you know, absorb. I'm sorry. You may have made a poor decision. May have made a poor decision. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you for being here. What a weekend. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. They're good. Leave them on Facebook and the Twitters. That's all you got to do. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids because you don't want the Facebook police to shut you down. No one likes being shut down by the Facebook police. Not me. Not you. No one. So make sure you keep those comments clean on our poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend? And I want to touch on something that Doug said. To, to circle back to the softball. All three of these teams are bringing back a slew of players from this season. LSU ended the season poorly. And we Jeff Palermo joined us and talked about that last hour where he said this was kind of a bad season for them. They fought hard. They had some moments, taking two or three from Alabama. But those were few and far between. It was a growing pain season for LSU. And knowing how competitive Beth Torina is, I can guarantee you that her team losing the regular season finale, choking away that game, losing in the SEC tournament and costing itself a regional, and then losing both of its games at a regional – is not going to make her happy. She will be fired up, and you will see this LSU team with a renewed focus next season. Jerry Glasgow, meanwhile, I like what Jay had to say. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, who joined us to lead off this hour, about, you know, he doesn't like putting expectations on this team, but here's the the reality. The expectations for the Raging Cajun softball program year in, year out, is to win regionals, playing Supers, and get to Oklahoma City. It, it doesn't matter what the reality is. Like this year, the fact that they were immensely young, the youngest they had been in years, and none of that matters. The fans have their expectations because the program has established those expectations. Just like it's not meeting the expectations for LSU softball not to host a regional and to go 0-2 in a regional, it's not meeting the expectations for the Cajuns to not advance. And they haven't done that in a while. So even though the team may still be fairly young on paper, with a lot of these girls only being sophomores, the expectation is going to be higher next year. Just is. Because that's what the expectation is for a nationally ranked program. When you're year in, year out, a nationally ranked program, the expectation is going to be, wait for it, to exceed those expectations. And McNeese, great season for James Landron and what he did with that program. They had ups and downs. They had some growing pains, so to speak, and especially especially the first half of the season. But they turned it around, and they get to a regional. And not only do they get to a regional, they take down a team like Notre Dame not once but twice. Little old team from the Southland Conference, Goes in there and shows the big, bad, fighting Irish who the boss is, not once but twice, mercy-ruling them in one of those games. Now, they fall short against Northwestern. Northwestern's a team that's finished as national runner-up, has been to the Women's College World Series a handful of times, and is one of the best teams in the country year in, year out. But the Cowgirls got to the regional championship round for the first time in program history. That's a big deal. That's a stepping stone for this program, and I expect big things, great things out of McNeese, UL, and LSU on the softball diamond in 2023. Before we take our time out, it's time for our trivia question of the day. I got a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising burning a hole in my back pocket. You want them. You need them. You want to go see the Cold War kids. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You want to see them. You want to be there. Here's your trivia question. You answer it correctly. You answer it correctly. First person to do so by calling the game hotline 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111 will win a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids. Here's your trivia question of the day. Who was the first New Orleans Saints running back to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? Who was the first New Orleans Saints running back to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? The first person to answer that question correctly calling the hotline 337-706-0111 will win two tickets to downtown rising to see the cold war kids once again who was the first new orleans saints running back to rush for a thousand yards in a season that is our trivia question of the morning correct winner first one to do so will win a pair of tickets to downtown rising we got to take a timeout. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 23rd, 1981. Puerto Rican boxer Wilfred Benitez, at the age of 22, becomes the youngest three-division world champion in history by knocking out WBC World Super Welterweight Champion Maurice Hope in 12 rounds in Las Vegas. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Whole question of the day is up and running, but what's getting all of you in a fever so far this morning, right now in particular, is our trivia question, because we got a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising to give away. And our trivia question to give those away, two tickets to see Cold War kids headline Downtown Rising in just a few weeks. It was a good one who was the first New Orleans Saints running back to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? We had multiple phone calls. I had people blowing up my phone during the timeout, and I do believe we have ourselves a winner because the correct answer was Chuck Muncie was the first New Orleans Saints running back to rush for 1,000 yards. He also, by the way, became the first saint to be named to a pro bowl just a little bonus trivia question there for you and we got a winner shane leblanc from new iberia the Barry stand up you know i love the berry i worked there for two years Shout out to Shane. He is our winner for Downtown Rising tickets. He got himself a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising because he was the first person to correctly answer our trivia question this morning. Who was the first New Orleans Saints running back to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? The answer, of course, was Mr. Chuck Muncie. So shout out to Shane. Rather, enjoy the show, my friend. Have a good time at Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids. Not to worry. Don't be upset don't be depressed if you're thinking to yourself rp3 man i missed out on win tickets how can i get me a pair not to worry my friend we'll be giving away another pair this afternoon on crunch time with miguez and mesh we'll do that all week just like we'll give away tickets the rest of this week as well trivia question every day you answer it correctly You'll score some tickets. So, not to worry. You still have four more days to win tickets to Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids. Let's talk a little Houston Astros baseball, shall we? Three of four from the Tejas Rangers. Hottest team in baseball? Could be. They sure are playing like it. And the great thing about them right now. The Strohs is this. And I've said this before. Early in the season, Jose Altive was struggling, yet they still won. Yuli Guriel struggled for a while, batting well below 200. He was your AL batting champion a year ago. He turned it around. And Bregman has not been playing his best. I think we can all address that, right? A lot of folks love Alex Bregman, rightfully so. He played at LSU. He's won a World Series championship with the Houston Astros. He hasn't played his best either. He's been in a bit of a slump. I think that's safe to say. Yet it has not mattered. That's how deep and great this Astros team is. They have so many dogs, so to speak. That even when one of them is off, when even when one of them is banged up or injured or just in a slump, it does not matter. This team is built a certain way where one of your stars can go in a slump, one of your stars can be banged up, and it doesn't matter. Jordan Alvarez had to miss time because of COVID protocols. Jose Altuve was banged up and had to go do an IL assignment. It hasn't mattered. They just keep on rolling right along. That shows you the quality of depth. That shows you the caliber of talent on this team. And as it stands right now, 841 on this lovely Monday, May the 23rd, the Houston Astros sit atop the AL West. They were in third and fourth place just a little while ago here they are 27 and 15 overall they hold a game and a half lead over the los angeles angels they're six and four in their last 10 texas meanwhile eight games behind them the seattle mariners are continuing to struggle they're trying to find themselves three and seven in the last 10 they're now 17 and 25 overall on the season my prediction of having Hannah's favorite team actually make a wild card is a little bit in danger because they're just as bad as Oakland, and Oakland sold all their players, so I'm not really for sure what's going on with Seattle. But there they sit, and you look at this team, and you just go, where's the weakness? Where's the weakness when it comes to the Strohs? It, it's hard to find one. It." You're talking about Bregman struggling, and which he has. This guy was an MVP candidate just a couple years ago. Kyle Tucker is just a man right now. Ridiculous how well he's playing. Absolutely phenomenal how he's playing. He leads the team in RBIs with 26. He also has seven home runs. Bregman, he's struggling. 229. That's not like that's not like Breggs. Just isn't. Struggling at the dish right now. Does have five home runs. But he struck out. He struck out 25 times. Struggling at the plate to find himself. Michael Brantley Jr., we don't talk enough about. He leads the team in batting average, 290. Also leads the team in hits. Jordan Alvarez, the big fella. The Cuban sensation leads the team in home runs, 12. He easily could hit 45 to 50 home runs this year. He's still just coming into his own. He hasn't even really been in the league long enough to enter his prime. Jeremy Pena, the rookie sensation. Could the Astros have yet another rookie of the year? Sure does feel that way. You look at the stat line, 286. 286. That's what he's batting. 22 ribbies, seven, R, uh, seven home runs, five doubles. Ridiculous. Altuve is not having even a, a a vintage Jose Altuve season. Not yet. He's been playing really good. Has he been playing at his MVP level? Not quite. But even then, he's still batting 283. Nine home runs. Little Mighty Mouse, nine home runs. It's Ridiculous. They're even getting production out of the guys like Maldonado in Diaz. And the lineup is a murderer's row. It just is. Top to bottom. So even with Bregman having an off start to his season and a bit of a slump, does that prevent them from taking three or four from Texas? Sure doesn't. This is how good this team is. This is how good this team is. But we got to talk about the pitching. Because the pitching is, whew. Verlander is something else. He, he, he's either some sort of mutant or a cyborg. I'm not really for sure which one. Because the guy is pitching at a ridiculous clip. He had Tommy John surgery just a few years ago. Tommy John used to end careers. You got Tommy John, it was game over for you. Bye, see ya. Thanks for playing baseball, your career's over. Get ready for the broadcast booth. That's not the case now. And Verlander, despite being, what, 40? Just is at a dominant, dominant pace. This is what Verlander's done so far through the 2022 season. Six and one overall record. 1.22 ERA. He's pitched 51.2 thirds innings. He's only given up 28 hits. That's it. Only seven earned runs. That's it. And he struck out 49. He's 39 years old, proving to still be one of the best in the game and has become the favorite to win the AL Cy Young Award. Now I know it's May. May. Lots of baseball still left. Lots of baseball still left. But Verlander, absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. And as great as he's been, because he's been great. You could argue he's been the best pitcher in baseball. At 39 years old, coming off Tommy John surgery. The rest of the guys have done nice work as well. And you can't forget about them. Verlander's doing everything. Look, Presley... Has been very good in the closer role. He's got six saves for this team. Framer Valdez is three and two. His ERA is south of three, which is great. Jose Arquidi pitched well the other day. His ERA has now dropped to about four. He's four and one on the season. Garcia's three and two. Orderizi, who suffered that terrible injury where we thought he shredded his knee, ends up not. Doesn't even need surgery. He's going to be shelved for a while. They just have a bunch of guys, and they have a bunch of guys in the bullpen that can eat up innings. They have depth that allows them to have their starting pitching go maybe five innings, and then they can hand it over to the bullpen. Now, they they haven't been forced to do that because Dusty's letting the pitchers go out there and eat up about six, six and a half, maybe sometimes, some cases, seven innings to save his bullpen, but they have they're six deep in the rotation. They have three or four guys out of the bullpen that they know they can count on, and they have a guy that can close the door. Oh, and by the way, Lance McCullers Jr. hasn't even pitched for them this year, and he's going to be coming back over the weekend. He threw on the mound for the first time in his rehab process, a big milestone. Now, he only threw about 10 pitches, about a foot or two inches front of the rubber, including some off speed to keep his velocity around 80. But James Click, Lance McCullers, Dusty Baker are very encouraged what they're seeing. So it's not even the end of May yet, and Lance McCullers is already starting to throw off the the mound, which means they're going to have another guy as part of that rotation. And... The amount of depth that the Astros have right now means they don't have to rush Lance back, which means they don't have to overwhelm him when he does come back. They can take their time and be like, Lance, it's good, bud. Take your time. It's breezy easy. We good. I still believe this. Despite the fact that they're one of the hottest teams in baseball, despite the fact that they lead the division, Verlander's pitching at a Cy Young clip, And their lineup is a murderer's row. I expect the Astros to still go out and get another arm by the trade deadline. I think they view this as another opportunity for them to get back to a World Series and win it this time and not come up short. You can't have enough starting pitching. You can't have enough starting pitching. You just can't. They have the lineup. They're deep as hell. They're good there. But you can't have enough starting pitching. You can't have enough starting pitching. So I expect the Astros to be aggressive. Will it be a big name like they've gotten in years past? Trading for big name pitchers? Maybe not. It all depends on how some team seasons go where they may want to get rid of a contract. But I would expect them to at least get themselves a middle tier pitcher to add to the rotation because you can't have enough pitching, especially when it comes to the postseason. But the Astros are Firing on all cylinders, that is for sure. Oh, and they get Lance McCullers back soon. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? You can listen to those Houston Astros tonight because they're going to take on the Cleveland. Don't call us the Indians anymore. We're now the Guardians. And it will be broadcast live on the game. Guardians, Astros, you can listen to the game live right here on the game. First pitch is set for 7 o'clock. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll wrap up today's show, finalize that poll question of the day, and get you set up for Kevin Foote and Footnotes. That's all coming up next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests for joining us today here on RP3 and Company. Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio, breaking down all things purple and gold for us. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, talking all things vermilion and white. Of course, we did have a poll question of the day to get to. Final results. Let's check in on it. See what the biggest surprise of the weekend was for you that's right cuz it was a weekend chock full of surprises what was the biggest one 67% of you final results say LSU sweeping Vanderbilt they're in Nashville for the first time in program history that has catapulted them up to around 2021 20, in the RPI one win definitely two wins at the SEC tournament this week, we'll more than likely get them to host an NCAA regional. We'll see if Jay Johnson's team can play like they did against Vandy and Hoover for the SEC tournament. By the way, bad weather projected for the week there. Definitely Wednesday and Thursday in Hoover, which also will impact Montgomery, where the Sunbelt tournament is going to be held for the Rage of Cajuns. Both LSU and UL are projected to play on Wednesday right now. Scheduled a term we will use loosely this week <laughs> due to due to the severe thunderstorms that are supposed to be going through uh, there in Alabama this week. Once again, LSU sweeping Vanderbilt, 67% of the vote. That wins your poll question of the day. 14% of you did vote for PGA Championship ending in dramatic fashion. Justin Thomas forcing a playoff, winning it on the third hole after beginning the day seven strokes back. 11% of you say... The Preakness Stakes were Epicenter was your betting favorite, and Epicenter came up second yet again. And then 8% 8 of you say other. Thanks for all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thanks to all of you who commented on the poll question of the day as well. And give a shout-out to our downtown rising ticket winner, Shane LeBlanc from New Iberia. Got the trivia question right. For our new intern extraordinaire, the producer extraordinaire, I'm Raymond Parch the Third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next, right here on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.